Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Wednesday? We're doing a podcast on a Wednesday again? Yes! You know what that means. Keely Yor is back in studio alongside me. Follow on Twitter at Keely is my name. The great video reporter slash newsbreaker slash analyst that we have here at uscfootball.com. The only intern we ever hired in a full-time status. She is back. I don't know where she's been in the past couple of months. Where where have you been, Keely? Welcome back. I've been in the studio, Abraham. <laughs> I don't know why I just called you Abraham, but I've been here. You've been out and about gallivanting. I've been holding down the ship. I've been gallivanting a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Little. Um, so welcome back, Ryan. <laughs> thanks. But we so we were doing our tunnel vision show on Wednesday. So we decided not to do a podcast the same day since Keely and I would be in studio talking already. But now we're moving Tunnel Vision back to Sunday nights and we'll probably do Thursday nights as well. During the season, but we'll have a tunnel vision on Sunday, and we're back. We have Coach Harvey Hyde back on Mondays, and now Keely, you are back on Wednesdays. I don't know if we're moving around. We, did we normally do Wednesdays, or were we doing Tuesdays before? I think we are going to move the schedule around a little bit. We'll we'll update you guys. Yeah, but we are still talking. You and me still talking. We studio, are talking, yes. Which is good. You abandoned me for a while, but now you're back. <laughs> of course, and, it's uh, my fault. <laughs> Great. But thank you for the... Left me a practice all by myself. Oh, myself. my goodness. I didn't want to miss practice yesterday. That's so. right. So we're going to talk about all that. So we got like fall camps over. They had the scrimmage uh, on Saturday and started a mock game week in quotation. So we're going to talk about all of that as they get ready for the opening of the 2021 season. Been waiting for this. Feels like for two years, right? Maybe because you have. Yeah. Because last season wasn't really a season kind of thing, you know. Short season, yeah. Short season, but whatever. But we'll, uh, fans back in the stands, we're going to talk about all that stuff. If you have any questions or comments for the show, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could also call us or text us at 424-254-9141. We're ramping up the questions again. Got a lot of Harvey Hyde questions this past week. Keeley's back, so if you have any questions for Ryan and the Keeley Show, the Ryan Keeley Show, whatever you want to say, Keeley and Ryan. Um, put them there, just put in the, the subject it's for Keely and Ryan, whatever, let us know. And we'll try to put the question on the correct show. And if you have questions for the Family Feud one, you can send them in as well. But uh, you can also, as I said, call or text us 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail there. The most important part, though, if you got an Apple podcasting app on any of your devices, your iPhone, your iPad, something like that, what we, we need you to do, follow us, follow the Parastyle Podcast. Leave a five-star rating, any kind of comments, feedback, suggestions you have. And we have an incentive for you. Oh, It's, it's not just because we asked. Like, we ask a lot. We ask, and I don't know why. It just becomes a thing. It's like, it really does help when more five-star ratings, it helps grow the show. So we're trying to grow the show because we spend a lot of time doing it. So that's what we want to do. This worked over on a little plug, the Podcast of Champions. Oh, This was an incentive that worked there. We get a lot of reviews. If you like the Pac-12, go to the Podcast of Champions and check that out, too. But for us, here our sponsor, Trader Joe's. Shout out to Trader Joe's. Yeah, shout out. I uh, got a package in the mail. Well, I got some, several packages in the mail from them. They've been great. Uh, and I got some, the uh, dark chocolate peanut butter so cups. Good. I brought them so into the good. office, so Keely's going to be upset with me at that. Yep, that I brought will. lots of snacks. 
But Trader Joe's has some great snacks. But they're going to give you, or they we're going to give you, or they gave us, $50 gift cards to Trader Joe's, which <laughs> you buy a lot of stuff at Trader Joe's for 50 bucks. It's true. You know, you go, don't go in there hungry because then you might, you know, you'll probably double your budget. Yeah, it's not great. So I mean, every be. week we're going to do on the Keely and Ryan show, we are going to read all the reviews, uh, any of the five star reviews that come in. The best one, we're going to determine which one's the funniest, the, the best one. It doesn't have to be like the most glowing, just which one makes us smile the most. <laughs> you will get a $50 gift card from Trader Joe's. I'll send it out. I also got those bags. Those are a harder to send. I'll see if I can send those out, the Trader Joe's bags that are very popular. I got they more of those. They are coveted. If you're local, I can give you like a local one. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to send those out, but we'll definitely send you out a gift card uh, through the mail and you know potentially a bag and stuff too. But so put those reviews in. Go to be Apple Podcasts. You can be funny. Whatever your your style is. Yeah, we we are really lucky on the podcast of champions. There are some really funny listeners. I mean, th- some of those reviews are just hilarious. Um, and so yeah, but it doesn't have to be. Just you know, leave us five star review if we like it. We'll send you a fifty dollar gift card. Uh, There's a comment. There has to be a comment with it. Yeah, it's not just five star review. We're yes. not going to like, oh, we love your five stars. It's it's got to say something. Yes. Yeah. That is helpful for us. You know. Uh, so whatever you like about the show and don't like, you can criticize us. We actually encourage on the podcast of champions, leave us a five-star rating and then just torch us. And you know, as long as it's five stars, <laughs> you, you guys are say, bold. You're yeah, bold. We get some really funny ones, but, uh, thanks again to, uh, Trader Joe's have been an awesome sponsor for us. And, uh, now you got an incentive to leave us a five-star review. If you haven't done it for a while, just did it last week, go leave another one. And, uh, we haven't had one for a couple months, I think. So go leave them in there. All right, Keely. Um, yes, th- Ryan. Thanks again to Trader Joe's. Uh, we are back. I love it. It is great. Fall camp is over. Crazy. I'm glad we got to see fall camp. Yeah. Um, I got to talk to Co- Coach Harvey Hyde about what he thought about the scrimmage on Saturday. Maybe we'll give you give you a few minutes to give us your thoughts on anything that was. I know it's like a few days ago now. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's is it like, but did anything like stand out to you? Like, oh my gosh, that was crazy, or it felt is- better than the first scrimmage we saw the first scrimmage just felt a little sluggish and like they just didn't meet the environment so that was at least better we saw more of Keaton Slovis which I thought was needed we just didn't see him that much in the first scrimmage and I think that's truly because they want to figure out that backup quarterback position and it's interesting as far as that competition goes I really feel like Miller Moss had the better fall camp overall I think he was more consistent he was more stable but I really think that Jackson Dart in the coach's eyes um, it's just a better backup option. I think he presents that kind of risky. He's a risk taker, but it pays off. And I think USC likes yeah. that. Um, and so I think he puts his uh, receivers in a good position to to make plays on the ball. So I, if I had to guess, I think Dart won the backup position. But, you know, it could go either way. Who knows? Well, but- you know, it was funny because I saw we're at practice on Tuesday and um, it was – Typically how this works is first team comes out, it's Keaton Slovis. Second team comes out, it's one of the backups. Next time the first team comes out, it's Keaton Slovis. And then the other backup comes in. First couple reps we saw, um, yeah, it was Jackson Dart coming out. So he was like the only second guy. And then we saw more Miller Moss later. I agree with you. I thought Moss, like if you had to like give a grade, a letter grade, like who played better in fall camp, I think Moss played better than Jackson Dart. And Dart did, you know, he did some great things. He did some, you know, okay things, I guess, whatever you want to say. Don't be too critical. In the spring, and I thought it looked better than Moss, but Moss hadn't played football like a year and a half, so that's that's part of it. Now he's played some, 
and he looked like, okay, they, it looked to me they were more on par, but I don't know if that the Jackson Dart train had already left the station and it was like too like, he was trying to catch up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's also what we got just from speaking to them for the first time in fall camp. Uh, Moss was talking about how he, even though he knew, you know, his whole situation, he didn't play his senior year of high school. He underestimated how much that was a, a learning curve for him coming into D1 college football. You know, he said that that actually did really impact him. And so I think what we saw in fall is that catch up that he made. And both quarterbacks mentioned how uh, player run practices were huge for them. Um, and that's something that USC couldn't do in 2020 based on the COVID protocol. So I think um, the PRPs really helped Moss. And, and Dart mentioned in his presser that, you know, he's a risk taker. His style of play is riskier. And with that comes mistakes. And so I think he acknowledged that, hey, he will naturally have some ups and downs to his game. But the ups sometimes uh, it's a better return on investment, if you will, than maybe some of the downs. So I think there is a part of it where I think uh, there was a stretch of camp where I think Dart got in his head a little bit because he kept making some, some mistakes. And so, and he's a true freshman that's going to happen. And that happens with Moss as well. But I think overall, I think the coaches just like the, what Dart brings to the table right now. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. Um, so we'll see if they're, you know, they haven't named anybody yet. You know, Graham Harrell talked about that. So on Tuesday, was asked about that. He sort of punted it over to Clay Helton. So we'll probably get some kind of answer this week. They'll definitely put out the depth chart on the Friday before the game. Is it going to be an or situation? I think you kind of need to know who the backup quarterback is because yeah. if something happens to Slovis, you want to know who's going into the game. Yeah, and I, and to be fair, USC hasn't shied away from that. If you go back to when JT Daniels was named the starter, we thought that Matt Fink was going to get the backup job just because he's the older guy, and that makes sense. But they named Keaton Slovis the backup as a true freshman. So, I mean, I don't think that they're shy. They're not going to shy away from saying who they actually think. I don't. I, there hasn't been a precedent for it in the Harrell era, so I, I don't think that they're going to do a, an or situation. I know Shotgun yeah. doesn't agree with me, but I think they'll actually name someone. I think you're right, and uh, yeah, it's just body language-wise, it just feels like that's sort of the way they were leaning from the beginning, and you know, it's tough. You're Miller Moss. I think you probably played better uh, yeah. in the fall. Now, we're not there for all the meetings and stuff. We're just seeing what we can see out in the field, but... Uh, We'll see, you know, how that turns out. And I argue this on Family Feud, but it also, we don't fully know what USC wants out of their backup. If they want a more stable option, a guy who is going to take his time to make his reads and whatnot, then Moss is probably your guy because he's better at reading the zones. Whereas I feel like, uh, Shotgun said this before too, but Dart is better at finding those one-on-one matchups. So if they're wanting a more stable option for their backup quarterback, then maybe... Moss has the edge. I don't know, but it just seems like overall Dart has kind of been the guy. Yeah. Um, so that's where the quarterback situation is. I know people ask about Slovis. We've all seen him look better um, than yeah. what we saw last year. So we're expecting uh, improvements there from Slovis. More improvements, in yes. Yeah. I, there are some throws that he makes that I'm just like, that looks a little 2020-ish. So I oh, okay. There's been some moments in practice where I'm like, that just wasn't a good ball. So I don't know if it's just, you know, we haven't talked about the wider series yet, but that's also been something that I've been keeping my eye out. You know, who's going to be the second, third, fourth receiving options for Keaton outside of Drake London? And I don't, I think we saw better progress than what we saw in spring, but I don't think it's super clear. Like what we've said all along is like, 
John Jackson kind of has the edge just because he's been so consistent. And consistency has been an issue for some of the wide receivers. Like Tosh Washington, the Memphis transfer, he came in and looked good right away. But then he kind of had a down period where he just wasn't catching balls that he he should have catched. So in talking in the, the second scrimmage, he really had a day he needed. You know, he was electric. I thought he did really well. And so if he continues on that consistency, then I think he will be a good option as well. I don't know why we haven't seen as much as Kyle Ford as I think we probably should. I don't know if he took a step back health-wise, but that's a guy who I thought would get more run than he has or he did in the later half of camp. So that was interesting to me. But it looks like uh, Michael Jackson and Joseph Manjack, they were getting the first-team reps on Saturday. So interesting. I'm a big Joseph Manjack fan. Yeah, everybody is. Yeah. For good reason. But um, I was I bought early stock on it. I was you did? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So you but, got a lot of upside on your stock that you bought. Sure, yeah. Um, so uh, the concerning thing yesterday, Tuesday in practice, we saw um, Drake London, you know, go through some individual reps early on, and then he had like ice on his ankle. So they were just going to rest him. Yeah. Um, but we got to see a lot of Taj Washington. I think he's regained that form. Okay. I think he's looking better. Um, just his feet are so quick. It just it's it you know it's great to have the breakaway speed. Uh, and you see a guy like Keaton Kristen just uh, you know can run away and, and Taj Washington going to do that, but the the footwork he has, it's pretty impressive. So yeah. him, uh, you know, Man Jack's been great. You know, John Jackson probably the quietest like awesome camp. Like he's I don't know if he's had bad days. Like he's just been, he's just consistent. Like you yeah. know, if the ball's going to go there, he's gonna he's gonna catch it. And I think uh, Shotgun talked to Seth Dagey about John Jackson specifically, and basically they both agreed like if there's a critical third down you might as well go to John Jackson because he's been the most consistent. So in what you said, Ryan, it's been quiet. He hasn't made flashy plays necessarily, but he's been a solid receiving option. Yeah. No, I would say that I would agree with you there. There's there's a lot of good options, but it's kind of a little different when you're doing stuff in practice and then it's a game and it's like, yeah, there's only one team. There's no like, oh, I'm going to get the second team reps. It's like you're out there or you're not. Yeah. And when it's your turn to be out there, and maybe you're only out there for 10 snaps because you're the fifth guy in or something. You got to make plays when you're when you're out there, you know, and uh, we'll see who's going to be able to shine. Um, a guy like Joseph Manjack, you're just like, you know, it's like an afterthought in the recruiting class. And then you just watch him. And he's like, well, he doesn't make plays like, you know, it's it's hardly ever incomplete when the ball comes his way. We had that one rep where they were doing like one on ones on each side of the field. And he cuts across the middle and like the tight end from the previous rep was still hanging out in the oh, field. Yeah. And Manjack like tried to catch a ball behind. It wasn't a good pass. He tried to catch it behind him and then runs into the the uh, tight end that was sitting there, you know, <laughs> should have been on the field at the time. And that broke up the play. It was like, that's the only time he's going to get a play- <laughs> pass broken up. It's like so he runs into his own guy who shouldn't have been there. Um, but yeah, they, I think they got some really good options and we'll have to see, you know, how that develops. Keaton Slovis does seem to have pretty good chemistry with all these guys. Kyle Ford is someone that he's just been he, he's been making a lot of plays though. I mean he's yeah. he's been someone that he's he's probably further along than I thought he would be. But they're I don't I my thought is they're not like going to put him out there all the time because they're they're still they're not going to treat him like Drake London where you don't have to see anything. You want to see stuff from him, but they don't need to push it too far because he's coming back from the knee surgeries and stuff. It's weird though because we've seen him get first team reps during camp, but. It just in the scrimmage, he was getting second team reps and maybe even third team reps. So it was just a little odd because I think that's a guy you'd least want to 
see with the first team and what he can do, but maybe it's a health thing. I'm not sure. Cause like you said, he's been making plays that would warrant him at least getting some time with the first team. So I don't, I don't fully get what's going on there, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see, but it, it's a good group. Um, you got a superstar and then a lot of, uh, potential stars in the making. So mm-hmm. we'll see who emerges. Like, you know, who's the Drake London that comes out? You're like, wow, that kid's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as that, far as running backs, it seems like they were healthier on Tuesday. Yeah. I got to see, uh, like, like you're doing all the transitions. <laughs> She's like, I'm moving Ryan along. We're going to move from position to position. Uh, I see what you're doing, Keely. I'm, I did, I'm a host at heart. That, that's true. Uh, so Keontae Agro, you might've heard of him. Number 28 have, yes. and uh, Darwin Barlow. Both were back, uh, you know, been dinged up. They dinged up. They missed a week or so of yeah. fall camp. Now we've seen Ingram in the spring and he looked impressive for Barlow. It was a little more frustrating because, you know, he's a TCU transfer. Both kids are from East Texas, um, but the TCU transfer uh, didn't get to do much. You know, we saw him early on. He was flashing. And then, um, you know, with the injury, what was his injury? I forget what he had. Barlow, it was, it was a hamstring. Hamstring, yeah. And. But they were both back, and I talked to Clay McGuire. We talked, well, I talked to Ingram. Uh, Chris Trevino talked to Barlow, and I talked to McGuire. And one of the things he mentioned was it was really nice to get those two guys back. So, um, you know, before he even mentioned offensive linemen, he mentioned those. He's a 22 and 28. Um, How'd the run game look on Tuesday? Yeah, it was better. So we, we saw both those guys make some, some great plays. Ingram just seems extremely confident. Like talking to him, he's not a nervous guy. He's like, he holds court. Like, the, oh my God. Yeah. He, it, so to give you like a behind the scenes in scrums, people kind of look away. Like, I interviewed Ishmael Softshare and he like couldn't fully make eye contact with me because he was shy. Keontae was like answering questions when I was in his scrum last week and just looking at the whole group, oh, yeah. like holding court. It was like he was so comfortable. <laughs> he's a yes, sir, no, sir guy. He'll, yeah. You know, he's like, he'll look at you and say, you know, answer your question. And like, yeah, he'll kind of shuffle around a little bit if you ever taken like a public speaking course like back when i was an engineer and we had to do like presentations they would, they'd have these seminars to kind of teach you public speaking and it's actually funny if you ever some people are afraid of it or whatever but film yourself like in front of a room of people and you can see some of the things you want to do and they you know they teach you things like you're supposed to move around you're looking at different people and uh, if you move your arms, like if you like, you feel like you're making this huge gesture, and then you watch it on film, you're like you're not really doing much. Yeah. So you can like throw your arms out wide, and it doesn't look weird, and you see it on film. I feel like he's taking that because like he's like in this little scrum, kind of walking around, looking at different people, and checking them out. I'm like this guy knows what he's doing. He just know? makes everyone feel included in the scrum. Yes, it's, it's very nice. It's and it, it's like an engaging thing when you're a presenter, you're engaging the audience. Like he's engaging the media when he's talking to yeah, them. And yeah. Stuff. Um, he said he was like a big brother to Barlow, you know, like helping him. They're both East Texas kids, but like, he was asked like, Hey, what, um, you know, you're going to be nervous when you come out of the, the tunnel for the first time. He's like, no, <laughs> he's like, I don't get nervous. Like, it's like, this is my, like, this is what I do. Like, also, I love he for played this. at Texas. Like that's an intimidating field in like stadium. Yeah. And I, I, but I feel like he doesn't like, it didn't matter to him where it was whatever tunnel he was coming out, some historic building sure, or sure. anywhere. He's just like. No man, ready to go. That's what I do. Uh, So he's he's gonna be a good one. And I I was talking to Chris Trevino about this. Like, uh, you know, when we were like discussing for our instant analysis stuff, um, the whole point was Mike Jenks said they're gonna have a one A and one B. Yeah. Uh, Barlow was asked about like the competition. He's like, hey, we're all gonna eat. Like it. It just sounds like I'm. I'm feeling like I know they said that. 
Keaton Kristen like has some really good practices. Like he brings something to the table that you got to get him out there. Simply, I feel like there's going to go back to like four guys playing again. Yeah, I'm curious, and and it's, it wouldn't be the first time that we've heard USC make goals with its offense, and then we just see something different as the season progresses. But I did talk to when I talked to Keontae or one of the running backs or both Vi and Keontae um, in fall camp. They both said, "Yeah, Jinx made it very clear there's going to be a one A and one B." So. I don't know. Yeah, that's what they said, but like, <laughs> yeah, you know, just like the wide receiver rotation. We'll, yeah, we've we've seen we've seen some things. We'll we'll see. Yeah, um, but I, I would be ashamed to keep a guy like Kristen off the field. Like, Vi's going to be there. Yeah, I don't think there's a. I mean, Ingram. If Ingram wasn't there, like, I mean, he's at, like, yeah. It, so <laughs> what does that mean? So Barlow's no way. Kristen's no way. Brandon Campbell. Heck, Matt Colombo makes a lot of plays. He does. Like, he does. He's just hard to tackle. He's a walk on uh, number thirty-four. Watch him, but it's a lot of effort. Yeah, you know, and we've seen Giante uh, around, like Quincy yeah, Giante. Yeah, yeah Giante. Yeah, so like they got some dudes that can play. I just have a feeling you're going to see maybe San Jose State if you blow them out, you can see more guys, more of just like because there's rotation, but. My guess is they're going to play a bunch of guys, but we'll see. I mean, this has been one of the biggest question marks in the like Clay Helton era is can you utilize all the talent that you have and utilize it in an efficient way? And you definitely have new weapons in the offensive, uh, the running backs room. So can you be more creative? That's something that Graham Harrell talked about at the beginning of fall camp. There's more options. The room's kind of different there. So what can you do with that? We will see. Um, we will see. Indeed. You want to transition to the offensive line? Sure. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on the offensive line? <laughs> that wasn't as smooth as the last one. So like I said, got to talk to Clay McGuire a um, little bit yesterday. And the, the plan was to get these guys, like, to know what the two deep was, know like who the starters are going to be, um, you know, basically by Tuesday's practice. It was going to be, so mock game week. So Tuesday was going to be the full pads practice day have a good idea for what's going on. What we saw was Cortland Ford uh, starting left tackle. And we saw Jonah Monheim starting right tackle. Uh, the same guys in the middle. Andrew you know, Orhees, yeah, Nilon, uh, and, and Liam Jimmins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So those three guys, I don't think there's any question. It's really about the tackles. And later on in practice, though, we did see Monheim move out to first team left tackle and Jalen McKenzie get first team right tackle. So, it just seems like the main bat. I, your guess is Ford, who was like the mainstay in the spring there, basically by the end, um, he'll be the left tackle. And it's going to be, you're either going to bench a veteran like McKenzie and put Monheim in, or, you know, you're going to leave Monheim, Monheim out. And, you know, the fact that he's getting first team reps at multiple positions and then doesn't get to play, like that would be weird. Yeah. He says he's got like his first seven, eight guys. He thinks he knows what the two deep is, but he hasn't quite put it together exactly. They're going to watch some film and stuff. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be the freshman on both sides. Uh, that would be my guess. He, you know, uh, McGuire talked about Monheim being uh, the smartest lineman he has. Um, wow. So, and if you interview him, like he did it. So I interviewed him two weeks or a week ago or whatever. And it was just like crazy. I mean, he's just crazy good. I'm like, oh my God, he's great. Even the <laughs> SIDs were like, oh, you're going to love talking to him. And uh, he was great. Yeah. He talked to a bunch of guys yesterday. I didn't get in that scrum because I'd already talked to him, but. Um, you know, shakes everyone's hand after they're done. Um, just, I mean, sharp dude, you know, yeah. and hard to see him not be on the field. He's someone that you're, you're going to be rooting for if you're a USC fan. Well, the best sure. part was, sorry to cut you off, but the best part was I was standing next to you when you had finished your interview and Monheim 
walks off the field, makes it to the gate, comes back and is like, hey, man, I forgot to tell you about this. And like followed up on his interview <laughs> with you, which is just so rare. And yeah. so very insightful, and very polite guy. I was asking him about defensive players and he wanted to make sure he left, didn't leave someone off. So he's yeah. like, Tuli Tuberloto is really good. I'm like, I know, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> no, it was, it was very nice, especially uh, because he's a menace on the field. So it's just the juxtaposition is kind of funny. So you might see a Jalen McKenzie be like the first guy off the bench, but like a Justin Dietrich is like kind of a utility player too. What do you do with Justin Dietrich? That's the big question because yeah. they've been giving him a lot of guard reps. I, and Andrew Millick has just been the second team uh, center, but I, I believe it was a game situation. Nealon goes down. I think they do put in Justin Dietrich, but I, I mean, McGuire was very high on Dietrich um during camp so how do you fit him in but i agree with you ryan i think as far as the tackles go i i definitely can see the two freshmen starting yeah um well we'll see uh we should we know we might find out in practice later today when we go out there like they might well i guess we won't because it's a uh, defensive day but t- thursday morning we get to hear from clay helton so then yeah. maybe they'll have some kind of announcement then also, otherwise it'll be next week today's the first day where we will be cut off we'll only see the first 15 minutes of practice and then we will be Ushered is it out. 15 minutes or 50 50 yeah 50 yeah. sorry so we get some we get 50 minutes of practice and we just yeah so we can't even watch from so the then aquatic we just center chill around <laughs> it's probably going to be bad for my diet because i'm going to probably go eat snacks somewhere <laughs> so uh what do you want to mention like tight ends we still don't know much about like hey, it's great to see michael trigg trigg looked good in the second scrimmage how is usc going to use their t- tight ends I mean, you got the like the wolves and the Croman hoax that are going to be like, hey, we'll block a little more. And yeah, the, the trigs and maybe Josh follows or whatever. That yeah, and Epps was out of a boot on Tuesday. Yeah, he was out of the boot, um, but I don't think he did anything. So okay, uh, so Trip-tos yeah, so Malcolm tough. Epps. Yeah, that's you know that's not going to be. I'm not expecting to see him, but you know, we'll see if he gets kind of worked in. But mostly, just how's the position going to be used? Like, are yeah. they going to be able to run the football? Is one thing, and then. Um, I do like that McGuire brought up the running backs like right away. So, I mean, that's certainly an important part for him. But the tight ends, too, you got to work with the, you know, you're working with the offensive linemen, helping with the blocking schemes and stuff. You're working outside, trying to get, you know, catching balls. Um, there, there's some talent there. I just, just like, you, like you said before, how are you going to utilize all that talent? Yeah. Yeah. They got to figure it out because they definitely have weapons. I definitely think Trigg is a weapon, and we haven't fully seen Epps since he's been injured, but he, he's, a weapon he's built like a weapon, so I'm sure they can find a way to use him there once he's healthy. And follow had that one-handed catch. Like he, you know, I just remember like three years ago, someone at like Pac-12 Media Day bringing up like, they were talking about like Justin Herbert, and then for whatever reason, they're like, oh yeah, that guy Josh Follow, I saw him. He looks like an NFL tight end, you know? And uh, this was like three years ago. Like, he has not done anything really much since. So there's that potential there. You know, I always think that, but who knows? Who knows? It, it Question marks for sure. Question marks all over the place. Yes. Uh, you want to go over defense? De- yeah, let's talk a little defense. What about the defense do you want to talk about? Inside <sighs> linebackers? It yeah. seems like it's going to be a three-man rotation, at least in the beginning. Because I think Orlando likes the different things that that both Raylan Goforth, Kanai Malga, and uh, Raymond Scott bring on each down. So, because we've seen them, like even when the first team goes out there uh, on Saturday, we saw uh, Raylan Goforth and Raymond Scott, excuse me, Kanai Malga and Raymond Scott, and then Raylan Goforth came in on third down. So it just seems like there's going to be a rotation there, at least in the beginning until they figure out who's more effective together. Not sure, but I know it sounds like Orlando likes 
what each guy brings to the table, and he can't really narrow it down yet. Yeah, so on Tuesday, it looked like when the first team defense came out, there was a rotation. So one one rep, it was I think it was Kanai Malga and Raymond Scott. And then the next time through, it was like, and then and we didn't see Goforth. So it would be, I think it was uh, Namora and Rajon Davis. They were the second team inside linebackers. And we're like, well, where's Raylan Goforth? But then it was like, okay, but the first team came out again and it was like go forth and Scott, you know? So they would, yeah. it was like those three guys were like the first team ones. They didn't bump one of them down to second team. Um, but you know, we've seen more and more. We see, you know, Rajon Davis look good. Um, they're really high on Rajon. Yeah. It feels like a guy who they're just waiting for him to get more into the college feel and, and to be, develop more, but they seem very, uh, encouraged by what they've seen so far. And like Julian Simons out there sometimes like the freshmen, like there's, you know, uh, Taylor Katoa, there's there's a lot of depth actually in the inside linebacker spot, you know. Yeah. And, and your report, I mean, I guess we didn't even talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Iasefa, um, you know, medically retiring. Well, here's expressing his interest in medically retiring. Yeah. So what I reported was that you know I've heard for a while that his progress with his knee rehab wasn't going as planned, and so then I heard last week that he had decided that he just wants to medically retire. And so once he had told the coaches, I reported that. And now in my report, I didn't include the fact that it sounded like the coaches were pushing back on the fact that, um, ISFO wanted to, to retire. So medically retire. But I think for on, from what I've heard on ISFO's side of things, he's kind of ready to move on to the next chapter. You know, he hasn't played a down in three years, you know, he's been having multiple knee surgeries, multiple knee issues. And so I think for him, he knows he's not going to play at the next level. So why continue that on and why uh, just really go through really hard rehab work to maybe play? Because we've said like he he hasn't even played in Orlando's defense yet. Like that's yeah. it's not like something where, OK, get healthy and we know that you're a starter in the system. He hasn't really experienced it yet. So I think he is aware of all those realities. Um, but I think. You know, he's obviously loved by the players and coaches. He was voted a team captain before he got injured in 2018. Um, and so I think from the coaches' side of things, they're maybe like trying to leave that door open so that he might have second thoughts or something like that. But from my reporting, he's ready to to kind of move on and, and get to more of the coaching side of football rather than trying to get back. So, yeah, Clayton I mean, was asked about it. And this might, you know, without having talking to you, I didn't talk to you that day, but the impression I got was, yeah, he <laughs> medically retire. We don't want to let him go yet. Like that was just the impression I kind of got. Yeah, and well, I and the important thing to know is that I specifically worded in my report that he intends to medically retire. Like he hasn't medically retired yet, but that's where his mind's at right now. And so the fact that he told the coaches that I thought it was good to go to <laughs> to report that, but I yeah. think Helton wanted to push back a little bit on that. But obviously, I wasn't at practice yesterday because I was in health and safety protocols. But <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so that that's where it's headed. So we'll we'll see how that develops. But. Yeah, there's still a lot of depth there we still haven't seen um solomon Poopoo. uh you know he's still rehabbing he's yeah. still rehabbing so but there's a lot of dudes they have a lot of bodies uh recruited bodies there at the inside spot but like keely said they're rotating those three and then outside linebacker you know we see a, a lot of like drake jackson hunter eccles and giuliano falanico it's kind of yeah. like the main you know but we saw yesterday um we did get, to, you know, Drake Jackson was taking more of the first team reps and they kind of rotated guys in. They, um, yeah, so that it's, 
it's a it's a much smaller group on the outside than on the inside, like that kind of like stand up rush end, whatever you want to call it, whatever you, they call it. There. Are you concerned at all about Corey Foreman? It sounded like he wasn't a full participant. Yeah, so he's still got the elbow and the groin thing. Um, so Clay Helton talked about him yesterday, if we want to switch a defensive line. And uh, he, I was watching him. Uh, I noticed it before Chris did, which he's noticed oh. everything. He's over on the, the bike. Look at you, Ryan. Working out on the bike there. Uh, so Rehab Island was small. It was a, The good thing is it's a pretty healthy team right now. Um, my boy Josh, we'll talk to the secondary in a minute. My boy Josh Jackson still, uh, still rehabbing, which b- bums me out because I love the way he was playing especially when uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart wasn't out there. But mm-hmm. um, so I saw Corey Foreman over there in Rehab Island too. And, you know, he was limited. He's always on uh, Vic Soto's side, just kind of absorbing things. From what Clay Helton said, it sounds like he's still picking up the playbook as far as first and second down goes. But third down, they, they want him out there. If he's healthy, you're going to see Corey Foreman probably come in on third down is what my guess is right now okay. and get after the quarterback. And there's not a whole lot to like think about, I guess. Just situation. go. <laughs> just go. And Todd Orlando loves that, right? He just loves like, go hit people, you know, go, go blow stuff up. Like, so that's what they want Corey Foreman to do. So we'll see. It's going to be how healthy is he? And then, um, you know, does he know enough that he could get on the field uh, and as he worked his way up to be on first and second down, but I think you're going to see him a bunch on third down. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for defensive line in in general, um, you know, we got to see, uh, you know, Tuli Tuli Pilotu has been great, right? Nick Frigaroa is just going to be like a stat monger. Um, Apparently, he's been a big leadership guy as well. Yeah, and just luck. The way he talks, you know, similar to what, you know, John Monheim is like, just feel like, okay, that guy seems like a leader. You know, he seems like someone yeah. that um, people are going to uh, follow. So I I think they're pretty solid there. Obviously, with the you know, kind of the nose tackle stuff was, you know, losing, you know, a guy like, we talked to Softshore, right? Ismail yeah. Softshore. Um, not sure if we're going to see him. It doesn't sound like we're going to see him anytime soon. Well, and that's the confusing part a little bit, if I'm being quite honest, like with his interviews, he said he was feeling good. He said that he was um, 70% um, away. Like, no, or sorry, he's 70% done with conditioning. He just needs 30% more to feel like he's a hundred percent. So, and the P kind of had a mixed reaction to this, but the guy had surgery on both of his legs. Um, and so it's a hard recovery if you're a bigger defensive lineman. And so I think he's just trying to get his conditioning up. And so that is the issue right now, but he just hasn't been in any team periods and he's been doing some individual work, but it's just very inconsistent because sometimes we see him do full individual work. Sometimes he's doing mostly rehab. It's a guy that he, he said he expects to play the full season, but I would caution that he'll probably be a later a later addition, just because it just doesn't seem like he's game speed right now. Let alone like, where do you fit? Which team do you go in? Like playing with other Trojans together. Like he hasn't done that yet, and that's not yeah. something you can just throw him in there too. Yeah, like oh, you haven't played with anyone. Let's start here. Here's the yeah. first game. Go yeah. in there. No, it doesn't work like that. So you know, we Jamar Sakona has been out for a little while. He's back now. Uh, he had like a yellow jersey on underneath his pads. Okay. Um, but they had Jacob Lichtenstein kind of playing that role. Uh, we saw him on Saturday do that as well. So like, I think they're you're gonna mix things up a little bit. Um, Stanley Taufa, how do you say his name? It's the Taufu. Taufu. Yeah, it's like he's got like three apostrophes in his name. Um, 
didn't see as much of him yesterday. You might see some, you know, Dijon Betton, uh, Kobe Pepe. So, yeah. uh, but it looked like Lichtenstein was getting some, some more run there too. So like, so I think yesterday they had Lichtenstein, <laughs> bless you, uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu, uh, Nick Figueroa, and then like Drake Jackson on the outside. So, yeah. You know, that might be the starting lineup at, at some point, but we'll see. But I, they like what Sakona's been doing. So once he gets back, yeah, um, I, I would assume he's going to get in that role somewhere too. Yeah, that was a big loss, though, the fact that he was lost to health and safety protocols because I thought he was having a good camp prior to that, and he probably could have built on it. But now he's behind the power curve just because you missed that that many practices. So yeah, we shall see. We shall see. You didn't get to miss much with your health and safety, you know. Well, no, I don't want to miss much. I know. It's funny. Like, I didn't know what the, we did instant analysis yesterday. And, um, you know, basically there was some expo- like potential exposure. So you there has been a play. positive COVID test among Shotgun and I and our presumptive people. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. But I wasn't sure, like, crap, what do I say? I was like, well, that's the general health and safety protocol. <laughs> but now like everyone's it. very concerned. But, <laughs> but, no, but Keely's fine. She's in studio with me right now. Yeah. We're going to go to practice to, you know. Um, so, yeah. But whatever. Okay. <laughs> Defensive backs, Ryan. How are you feeling about that? DBs. Uh, my boy, Josh. Uh, so starting lineups, it's pretty, you know, you know, you see um, Chris Steele on one side. Yeah. Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart on the other. You got Chase Williams and Isaiah Polamau at the safeties and then Greg Johnson um, at the nickel spot. I love the way Josh Jackson was playing. You know, uh, he's been out. What did he do? Was he a hamstring too? Or is he uh Josh Jackson? Yeah, I forget. What was his? It was like a knee thing. We didn't get a full confirmation, Oh, because it was that punt return. It was a punt return where he went down kind of wonky. Yeah. I got to remember all these injuries. It was like, (laughs) which one was that again? (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was a... So we haven't seen him for a while, but he was playing well. But there's a lot of, you know, a lot of depth there. Um, You know, guys are... You know, Chris Thompson, I think, is someone that, you know, know, the transfer coming in has been impressive. Um, But they're, you know... Prophet Brown had a nice interception yesterday on on some one on one drills. Oh, did he? He had a nice interception in the the scrimmage. Yeah, it was a nice. He he almost looked like a receiver trying to get that ball. So it was interesting. And Jalen Smith had the pick six. Yeah, I guess yeah. His like high school roommate Miller Moss. Like that's <laughs> yeah. unfortunate for those two guys. Um, I like the way Sierra Wright's playing. Like there's there's some good options there. Yeah, but I think the vet it's going to be a veteran group to start. But there's a lot of like freshmen backing them up, and they'll play. Yeah, the freshmen made good strides. I thought Sierra Wright coming in. I thought he would be further ahead than he was, but then he made progress each day. So that was at least uh, good for him. I just think that he still needs to bulk up a little bit. He still has that like high school body a little yeah. bit. But as far actor, as he's got the actor body, <laughs> gotta be slim <laughs> for the camera. It makes sense. No, but. Uh, yeah, so that the fact that the 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 corners have progressed nicely in camp, I think, is a cr- credit to Dante Williams. Uh, and then the safeties, it looks like it's just going to be Isaiah Pullman, Chase Williams, and Greg Johnson at that nickel spot. So it just seems like a veteran group right now. Could Chris Thompson make a run or be part of packages? I mean, we saw him in the the drills where USC's tackles would try and defend safeties blitzing off the edge, and Chris Thompson brought a f- some fire to yes. that that drill every time we saw it. Well, I mean, we saw it twice, but every time he did a great job. And so I think that's a guy who maybe you can figure out how to get him into some special packages where he's kind of just a bruiser a little bit off the edge. So, but you also don't want people to key on him because, like, hey, 30s in, they're going to blitz. So, right. yes. <laughs> so you got to figure that out. But I think right now, I mean, we know Isaiah Polamalu is going to be the guy. 
he's taken that that veteran step forward. He's a team captain for the second year in a row. He's just kind of the leader in the defense, and I think Nivar has a lot of confidence in him. Um, I think Chase Williams for now has that spot sealed up, and then Greg Johnson. I thought he I thought he made good plays on uh, Saturday. I voted for him to be in the ten of Troy that Gerard put out, but I was overruled. <laughs> I know, but it's fine. But yeah, so. Overall, I think you have confidence in the DBs as a whole. I think they're coached well and they have experience. Yeah. So we'll see. It's a, it's a definitely a deep group. You can tell that Craig Nivar and Dante Williams are really good recruiters because there's a lot of really good dudes yeah. uh, in that room. Yeah. So uh, a lot of safeties. I got like 12 safeties on the roster on my my uh, scholarship chart. So. We haven't mentioned it yet, but Brent Allen tore his ACL out oh, for the yeah. season. That was really unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is a depth issue there, but. Other than that, they came out pretty healthy. Okay. Uh, yes. Any kind of special teams thoughts with uh, Ben Griffiths? You know, tell us how booming his punts are. Or... I am contractually obligated that I cannot talk about punts anymore, Ryan. I say that every time. We do have a little Parker Lewis problem. You know, like there's been some inconsistencies there. Yeah, uh, I asked Clay Helton about that on Saturday. I was like, are you concerned at all? Because we haven't seen him be consistent. And Helton said, you know, he's a talented kid. We know what he can do. So he didn't really... I don't think he would admit to any confidence issues with his players, but um, that is something where multiple times, not only in practice, but in the Coliseum where he will be doing it, he hasn't been money. And so that's something where, and shotguns argue this, like if you start to get in your head as a kicker, it might spiral a little bit. So I don't know, but maybe they're working on something new with him. I don't know, but I just would like to put it out there before the season starts. He has not been as consistent as we've seen yeah so we'll see and then i mean special teams how much can you really glean from it as when you don't have gary bryant back there because he's so he's electric working his way back but yeah he's, he's not healthy but then is it at the point where you just can't assume that he's going to be there come kickoff you sure. know i i don't know so we've seen michael jackson we've seen katie nixon we've seen taj washington i believe we've seen keenan Kristen as well yeah um not overly impressive if i'm being completely honest like not I mean when Keenan Christian finds open space like goodbye that's but can he find it you know um so it's a mixed bag for me on special teams right now I think Griffiths looks good that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> Taj Washington I think just because his his footwork and stuff I think he his could be really speed is is great it's just I like I haven't seen anything that will f- let fully is like this is good yeah. work here and just to, and to be fair like I, I liked Katie Nixon when he was at Colorado. And when I saw him in the spring, I just was like, there just wasn't a lot of pop for me. It seems like he's better now. Like, I, I'm feeling a little bit more like he made a couple good plays yesterday, like a really nice catch. Um, I forget who threw it, but uh, he looks like he's more of a playmaker now than I think when we first saw him when he came to USC. He's made progress. He's definitely grown since he came to USC, but it's hard when he's next to a guy like Taj Washington you know like that is a guy who is just so fast so shifty and then Katie is kind of like the a step down like a light version of that yeah Yeah. a little bit and then I don't want to be disrespectful but it's just like there's just a difference there and you can see it on the field so that's the only like downside to that when you have a, a comparison like Taj playing with you um but I think the thing is, is he he needs to be more consistent. I think that will help him out in this wide receiver race battle if you will um but We'll see where he fits in. Yeah, he's uh, someone to watch. He's got a lot of experience, you know, like yeah. he's a veteran. He's he's the oldest guy in the room. Yeah. So, you know, you might need, might 
some of the young guys might be a little starstruck and they're not making plays and you could go out and throw a Nixon out there and he does because he's done it before. So Yeah, he could pull a John Jackson. <laughs> we will see. All right. Um, well, let's uh, – real quick before we take yes. a break and answer questions. Um, any thoughts on USC's captains? Because huh. Ben Griffiths was the – you know, he's a captain the first time since the 90s that they had a special teams guy on there. Yeah. You mentioned Isaiah Polamau, but – Drake London and uh, Vavai Malpei, the two offensive representatives, when you have your quarterback, Keaton Slovis, who was a captain last year and isn't one this year. It's voted on by the players. And I know that the P was kind of upset or you know didn't know what was going on. What, any thoughts on that? What's your opinion? Yeah, it's, it's a little odd. You have to be honest. Like It's a little odd that your third-year quarterback who was voted as a team captain last year is not. Um, but Clay Holson did say that there were a lot of votes. And so maybe we don't know the final tally. Maybe he was the fifth vote or something. But um, yeah, it a little odd. Definitely a little odd for sure. Um, but like I've heard just he's kind of more of a guy that keeps to himself a little bit. So maybe that doesn't influence the players as far as like overall leadership. I don't know. I mean, we've seen and heard that Vi is a great leader and very respected guys i've heard like i asked around like ben griffiths like he got voted and they were people were like sources were like he's a great leader he's a good captain people really respect him in the locker room so i mean plus he's like 10 years older than everybody yeah he's like 30 so <laughs> that, that makes sense and then isaiah Polmau already talked about him obvious choice um and then drake london makes sense he's a beast on the field um I honestly was expecting maybe a Nick Figueroa or Kanai Malga to be voted as well. Um, and if Jordan Isefa was healthy, I think he would be voted as well. I think guys really respect him as well. So, he was a captain already. Yeah, yeah, he was. But so, I mean, it's a little odd. I think that's always going to uh, raise some eyebrows when your quarterback doesn't get voted. But I mean, maybe if you want to look glass half full, maybe it's a testament to leadership across the board. That's what Ben Griffiths said. But who knows? So I would say, um, yeah, I agree with you on all of that. If you're the head coach and you're like, hey, we're going to vote for our team captains and there's something you want to be changed about that, you can change it about that. Like if you wanted your quarterback to be the fifth captain, like we're going to do five or whatever, like you can make it so your quarterback is the captain again. Um, I think it's probably more of what you alluded to is there's people are leaders in different ways. You know, like you remember like when Sam Darnold was around, he wasn't a stand up on the table kind of no, guy yeah. and get everyone fired up. There's quarterbacks that are like that for whatever reason, USC's had like a bunch of quarterbacks that aren't really that like sort of like fiery and that kind of, um, you know, and, and Slovis is more of a kind of keep to himself kind of person from what I've heard as well. So yeah, then maybe that's not, but the fact that he was a captain last year and you wonder like, what well, was he voted on it last year? Or was it just was sort it of just, appointed? And then, yeah, the vote was like, it didn't go that way. And, you, but you could appoint him again, or, you know, you could appoint him this time. It's just, this, it's a little bit, off. there's always something about this team, Keely. That's like, that's just a little off. Like something's like, that's not quite right. And I would put this into that category. Yeah, I would agree. But again, it's like, it's a hundred people. <laughs> there's going to be some oddities when you put that many people together. But yeah, yeah I, I, and to be fair to Keaton, like, We've seen him after practice throw with receivers late and like try and get more chemistry with man Jack and stuff like that. So there's leadership in other ways, but you have to admit it's a little eyebrow raising of like, what? This is a yeah. team vote. Why wasn't your starting quarterback? And this is okay. So just, I mean, this is a program that's just had a lot of weird stuff happen over the years. Like yes. every other week, there's going to be something you're like, 
what? Like, how did that happen? Now, to be fair, I think you bring in Mike Bone, you bring in Brandon Sosna, they're making changes. There's like stupid little things that were like, why were they doing that? Why was the field being maintained by uh, the, the the regular campus grounds crew and not someone that specializes in like football fields, you know? Yeah. Stupid stuff like that happen all the time. Like little things are like, why is USC doing that? It just happened a lot. Um, and you kind of get used to it. Like, yeah, that's just USC. That's, and it usually tends to like, there's some poor leadership somewhere. They made a decision like five years ago and it's been trickling down. And now you're, you're seeing the results of that. Like later on, you're like, why is this happening? Like, yeah, someone, someone in a bad leadership position made a terrible decision. And here's where we are. This sort of seems like, I think there's less of that going on now, but you become numb to like, yeah, that's, that's weird. Like, that's just a little strange. Are you, know? you saying that I've, I specifically have become numb. No, to I think all of us. But like, <laughs> yeah. you're just sort of like, yeah. But I mean, I, to give USC credit, they've hired better leaders. There's better people making decisions now. And it's going to take a while to kind of clear out some of those, you know, weird decisions. But there's always the question like, would that happen at Alabama? Would that happen at Ohio State? Right? Like yeah. that always happens. Like, no. You know why? Because they've had great leadership for a long time. Like you went from like Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. Um, Saban changes coordinators every freaking year and still does an amazing job. When you've had great leadership that long, you have years worth of decisions that were good that can kind of pile onto each other. You've had all these years of bad decisions for USC and you can't just hire a, a good leader and like fix them all right away. So you're going to still see some of that going on. It's not a magic wand situation where no. you can just wave it and everything fixes itself. Right. Even though some process. people would like to think that's the way it works. A lot of people think that that's how it works, but it doesn't work like that. No. <laughs> so, all right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer questions. Back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We haven't done questions for you and me for a while, Keely. So there might there's some old ones there we're probably going to have to like disregard, but you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll get all the new questions and then hopefully people send in a whole bunch more and we'll sure. once we got games and stuff coming. It's week 0. We got there's like Paxwell footballs this weekend. I'm excited. UCLA, I Hawaii. I realized yesterday that we actually get to see college football on Saturday. Yeah. How exciting. And I'm USC's excited. opener, but San Jose State's plan. Yeah. What are they? It was like Southern Utah or something. I, I know, but I will plan. watch it. Yeah. We'll see. So, 
Uh, well, where are we going with questions? Well, let's go to a question from Brett C. from Knoxville, Tennessee. He says, hey, Ryan and Keely and the whole Peristyle podcast team. My question is for the whole crew. What's your reaction to the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 aligning together as a big super conference? How does this help USC going forward in the future? Thanks, and find on as always. Hey, Brett. Well, it's not a super conference. It's a uh, gentleman's alliance. agreement. <laughs> alliance. We see, yeah, he said, yeah, it's an alliance. Uh, handshake agreement. Nothing signed. It's really just a reaction to the SEC. Um, there's not a whole lot of teeth to it. To, to be honest, I don't think it's great for USC because, like, schedule-wise, they already schedule Notre Dame. So, like, if you're going to talk about an alliance with the ACC in the in the Big Ten, USC already has the alliance with the ACC, in quotes, because they play Notre Dame every year. It would just be adding a Big Ten team. Um, George Klyavkov talked about, you know, the potential of dropping a conference game. And that would, that would certainly impact USC. Um, you know, and if they were picking up a big 10 team, that would be, that'd be nice. That would be nice. They can't do that contractually until 2024 when their media rights deal comes up, but they could renegotiate it saying like, Hey, instead of a, you know, instead of USC playing Oregon state this year, they're going to play Michigan. Like, and they're, I think Fox would be like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Um, but the the biggest issue is USC's in a power position because they're the brand. Now that you've had like this handshake agreement with the Big Ten, one of the more attractive things for USC to do would be to leave the Pac-12 and go to the Big Ten, right? Um, so does that take that off the table? Uh, is this now? There's nothing signed, and we've seen Greg Sankey. Backstab Bob Bowlesley after they negotiated the, uh, the the 12-team playoff together, and then he's like takes their two best programs. So could Kevin Warren do that to George Klyavkov? Probably. You know, I mean, there's no agreement that says it can't because he was asked specifically about, hey, is there an agreement in place where you guys aren't going to poach? And that didn't come up. So maybe this isn't the greatest for USC. This is, I think it's better for the Pac-12 in general than it is for USC, where most of the other things that happened, I think, are better for USC because it was all about the big brands are what's driving the the bus and USC is one of the big brands. But I think USC is in a good spot just from leverage. And just by the fact that uh, George Klyovkov made USC his first stop on his listening and learning tour, I think they definitely know that USC drives the bus in that sense. So if USC, I think USC can like wag the dog a little bit, you know, where yes. it, it, I think if USC had an issue with something i think at this point given with the new administration with usc and the new leadership with the pac-12 i think it would it would look different than what it would in the past right and and mike bone was on that committee to uh you know talking about the alliance or whatever like he was uh, i think ryan carger reported that like mike bone was on that committee they had like some some of the ad committees that were representing that so before like just the one you know what was it with, you know, to decide who you know, we are going to play or not. It was like all the North, all the Northwest schools and stuff. Like it wasn't even in USC. It's like stupid stuff like that. You're like, yeah, that's not going to be the case anymore. Like yeah. you're going to have your bigger brands involved in these things and not yeah. just like everybody's equal. Like, no, th- those days are over. Yeah. Overall, it just felt like a reaction to the SEC. 100%. Without yeah. a lot of concrete details. Right. I mean, the b- most important thing is like they're in a lot, like it's, probably like a reality show you know alliance like it's like survivor or something or <laughs> they're a big brother like yeah we're an alliance until something better for me comes up <laughs> and i can leave um that's basically what it's going to be and if you know if you lie to your friend and then you end up winning the game like oh you won so 
Um, yeah, so I think it's it's going to work until it doesn't. Uh, but it's, it's as far as voting and stuff goes, the SEC is most powerful, but it's like one vote, you know. And I think this might take us one step closer to needing a college football czar. Yeah. Um, and everyone was acting on their own accord. The Big Ten's doing what's best for them. The SEC. Now you have three of them together, and who's not to you know who's to say like, hey, the SEC joins it and they like elect a a president of college football or something, and then. They're running, you know, so that could be interesting if they do something like that. So maybe it takes us closer to that. Yeah. All right. Let's go do a question from Steve in Poway, who says, we all know that 65210 Drake London is a beast, said in Shotgun Spratling voice, which is kind of like a beast. Um, beast. Yeah. <laughs> but in the words of Chris Trevino, he also gets more surface area to injure. So with that in mind, I wonder if Graham Harrell has considered having 6'6", 245-pound redshirt senior Josh Follow essentially shadow Drake London on the wide receiver core as kind of a Drake London backup rather than just a tight end. We all know that Coach Harrell has a soft spot for blocking tight ends like Eric Cromanhook, so I'm concerned that Josh Fellow might, once again, get lost in the tight end depth chart rather than finding a spot in the receiving core. I know it's been a long time, but don't we all re- still remember how well Josh Fellow once was at catching passes? Fight on and win, Steve and Poway. Steve, I remember. He had that one-handed catch in practice. <laughs> I've been a Josh Fellow fan. We talked about him earlier. Uh, I don't know if that would be like, a, you know, you're not going to make like a, a stunt double for Drake London. It sounds like that's what you want here. Um, I'd love to see him get involved more in the passing game, but I think all of those guys, like there's a lot of potential there to get him involved, but will they, I don't know. Um, that's a problem right now. So, yeah, I, I just, they're just different. Like on paper, you might be able to compare based on height. They're just different body types. They move differently. So I don't think it would be like a stunt double situation. Yeah. We had a question from Gregory. Sorry, Ryan. Uh, He says, my question is, what is the fallout effect if Clay Helton is let go? Do they have something in place to keep Dante Williams and Vic Soto, their two best recruiters? There are a lot of consequences to losing Dante Williams. Hopefully they win the conference championship and makes it a moot point. Gregory. Hey, Gregory. Um, Okay. So what I would say, and this is like the time of year. Well, basically for the last three or four years, it's the time of year (laughs) to talk about replacing Clay Helton. Um, I know Bruce Feldman was you know, just did a story on like guys on the hot seat and who the top replacements would be. Of course, Clay Helton's name comes up. I mean, it just comes up all the time. This is just a common thing. What I would suggest to anyone, there is a lot of USC fans that just want a new head coach. But the funny thing is that there's always concerns about keeping, you know, assistance. Like, well, you got to keep him. You got like, what I would say is if you're going to replace your head coach, Everyone is expended. Like, there's no, like, you have to keep this guy. You're re- you're replacing the head coach, and you're bringing in somebody, you would, you would hope, that's really freaking good at what they do. And they will do what they need to do as far as staffing goes. I don't think you can, like, think, like, well, hey, we want to hire you, Luke Fickle, come in and be the, you know, head coach, but we want you to keep this guy, this guy, and this guy. Um, I don't, that's not the way it works. Now let him come in and evaluate. You're like, wow, Dante Williams is a great recruiter. Uh, we're going to do whatever we can to keep him. Here's a raise here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Vic Soto. I think you can't think about what you're keeping until way after you've already decided who your next head coach is going to be. I think everything has to be, you can't put restrictions on the new guy. So obviously Clayton's still the head coach now. If they make some kind of change at some point, there's some good options. The good thing is that USC has some good options on the assistant coaching staff right now. 
But I would never, you know, say, oh, I want to hire a new head coach, but they have to keep these guys from the old staff. Like, no, let the old new coach do whatever the hell he wants. If he wants to replace everybody, if he wants to keep everyone, whatever the new <laughs> new head coach does, you hire someone that's going to be good at their job, let them do their job. I mean, if we want to keep in the logic of USC fans who want the Clay Helton era to be over, to do so, you kind of have to cut ties with everything involved with it to a certain extent. I mean, if you think about it, like there's still people from the Lane Kiffin era, like, I mean, Clay Helton on this, you know what I mean? So it's like, yes, it's it, cut ties. Yeah, Maybe it should be a, a clean start. Yeah. For what USC fans want, the outcome that they want, I think that would be the best scenario. Right. And I agree. Like a guy like Dante Williams, like recruiter of the year, multiple times in the Pac-12, like he would be a very attractive piece to, you know, whoever the next head coach comes in. But the next head coach might have like a long time defensive back, you know, quarterback assistant that's a stud recruiter that whatever, like, and it doesn't work. You know, I mean, you have to like, you have to let the new guy do what he's going to do. Um, I remember you know, when Graham Harrell was hired, like people were like, well, you got to hire someone that is going to keep Graham Harrell. Like, no, especially we're coordinators. Like if you, if someone wants to keep a coordinator, that's great. Like there, you want some continuity. Uh, I think Todd Orlando's going to have a really good year. Um, but you know, if you get a defensive minded coach, are you going to keep the current defensive coordinator, even if you're doing a kick-ass job? Like maybe, but you can't put these restrictions on. You got to let the new regime do what they got to do. And sometimes there's going to be, um, you want people to help with the transition and you keep a couple assistants. That's fine. The fact that they have a lot of really good uh, analysts and stuff on staff now, that's going to help with continuity. But I would never put any kind of restrictions on the new head coach. I'm not going to say you need to keep these people. You could say, you know what? You do what you want, but these are really good assistants. You might want to keep them and let them, the new coach think about it. But I would never put that, you know, you have to do this. Like that's, that's just dumb. You're controlling. You're hiring someone to do a good a job. You want something that's really good. I don't want to tell them how to do that job. I want them to do, come in and do it. Yeah, you don't need to micromanage in that sense. Yeah. But, I mean, if you need a good transition guy to help you, Dante Williams is a great guy to do he, that. Yeah. I help think, you with the recruiting game. Help you with, like, it's, I don't think you let a guy like that walk away. But like you said, Ryan, I don't think you put specific restrictions on your new hire. Yeah. We have a question from Justin in downtown LA who says, Ryan and team, when will Texas and Oklahoma actually start playing games in the SEC? Will they really be lame ducks in the Big 12 until 2025, or will they will there be a buyout? Justin, so the numbers we heard early on, well, first of all, everything has to happen fast, right? Because when you get like something new and cool, oh, 12-team playoff, let's start it this year, you know? And then, oh, Texas and Oklahoma join the SEC. All right, can we can they play this year? It's like, no. That college football moves like a glacier, and we've seen we've seen some nimble college football moves in the pandemic. So we know it can be done, but traditionally it's been very slow. Scheduling games ten years out, you know these long term TV contracts that just go on forever and ever that the Pac twelve is in and trying to get out of, and the ACC signed one fairly recently, and they're stuck in that to like twenty thirty something. Um, so it's going to be like 80 something million dollars for each school to get out of that. And now that you've seen everyone sort of revolt against the sec, uh, you know, the big 12 is like, you know, they're the poor, uh, someone sent me a meme. It was like, um, Millhouse like throwing the Frisbee to himself back and forth. Like he throws a Frisbee and he goes and catches it or he goes over and gets it, and throws it back. That's kind of what the big 12 is doing right now. Like they're trying to be a power player, but they don't have any, they don't have any, 
there's no trump cards left in their hand. You know, they they've lost their two best pieces and the rest of their cards are pretty crappy. And you got some great programs, you know, like Iowa State, like a top 10 team right now. Iowa State's never won more than nine games in their history. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's been a power at times, but no big markets, no big draw, no big names, no like tons of national history in the Big 12 anymore. And so they're sort of on the outside looking in. I feel like this is a situation where the Big 12 is going to have to get something out of this. And so the SEC is probably going to have to pay quite a bit. Now, the other issue is it looked like we were moving extremely fast towards the 12-team playoff. Now with the new alliance, that's going to go slower. And the main reason is when if the playoff gets just redone right now, ESPN owns the rights to that. And part of this is a revolt against ESPN as well because they're trying to control most of the sport. So if you want Fox to be a player, CBS, uh, NBC, if you want all those entities to be players and drive up the price of this college football playoff and have multiple networks broadcasting it, you have to wait for that contract to go up too. So I felt like we were going to do the merger quicker and college football playoff quicker. Now I think it's going to wait. Now it's all going to be on the back burner. I think it's going to be on hold. Because there's just, it was too much of a power grab by the SEC. And this is sort of like a reactionary to that. So my guess would be it's going to take a couple years and you're going to have uh, Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 for a, a while still. There you go. It's my thoughts. We have a question from Mark who says, guys, does the fact that USC took three wide receivers in the transfer portal and no offensive linemen mean that they were disappointed in the returning crop of wide receivers, but happy with the returning offensive linemen? As Dan Weber used to say, just asking. Uh, no, Mark, that's not the case, I would yeah, say at all. I wouldn't say that I think either. they were definitely in the market for a left tackle. Um, it's not necessarily like they didn't go after any offensive linemen and they only went after uh, wide receivers. I, I think you try to replace some of the guys you lost through the portal. They did a good job on the running backs, lose a couple guys, get a couple guys. I think they've done a good job on the receivers, but they haven't recruited the receiving position as well as they had in the past as far as like stars go. But when you get like a three-star, like a Joseph Manjack, who looks like an absolute stud, you're like, okay, and we'll see what if he produces on the field. Um, they've had bigger numbers on the offensive line of recruiting, just not as highly ranked either. But a guy like, you know, Jonah Monheim was the highest rated guy from that 2020 class. He's looked good. Um, so, you know, he could potentially be a starter. But I, I don't think that was the case, Mark. I think they wanted to get a left tackle and – between hiring an offensive lineman, uh, offensive line coach later in the process after that first round, a lot of those guys were gone by the time USC hired their offensive line coach. I, th I think that was part of the problem. I think also it's just a reflection of the quality of talent in the portal. You know, like it, offensive linemen are a rare find in the portal. And, and you know, you, there was one great offensive lineman and UC didn't have an offensive line coach at the time. So it's just, it's kind of luck of the draw and, and whether or not, because if there's an offensive lineman in the portal, you're kind of asking, okay, what happened? Why is he still here in the portal? Why wasn't he smashed up? So it's kind of a reflection of how the portal works versus USC's confidence level, I would say. Right. Yeah. So that, I, yeah, I would say you can just ask Mark, but that's that would not be the answer I would give. Yeah. Same. 
And then uh, finally, it's not a question, but just want to give a shout out. And our, our thoughts are with Dan, class of 1962, because Peristyle Dog Oliver passed away suddenly from a rare immune problem. He will be missed because he was, truly enjoyed listening to the podcast with me, and he was a very good boy. Fight on and win, Dan, class of 1962. So sad. Sorry, bro. Sorry to hear that, Dan. Sorry, Dan. He also wrote concerned that we weren't together anymore in the podcast or something so you it's know i hate you ryan <laughs> damn it i didn't now that it's out there oh breaking news uh but we're back we're gonna be back yeah we just we took a little time off but i'm sorry to oliver um fight on to oliver yeah fight on forever nice well hey good stuff it was good to be back good to be back with you sir we've had a couple reunions we had the one reunion of like back after like the pandemic yeah sort of ended which is now it's back i guess so yeah we have a, we have a pandemic reunion uh <laughs> <laughs> so much and then uh you know post fall camp uh season podcast. reunion yeah and now we're ready to ready to roll all right well that's gonna wrap things up for keely your i am ryan abraham thanks so much for tuning in to the peristyle podcast hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time you may have noticed that shopping at trader joe's is unlike shopping at other markets people ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.